Come correct or don't come at all. Most people aren't willing to start a business from scratch. Most people aren't willing to start a podcast from scratch, but they don't realize, like I told you, like we're getting traction now. But like what I see is the more you put out, the more traction you get. I know you don't start from zero and end at month year three. It's in your future, honey. Sweet Talk episode 58. It's lit. Woo, it's hot. Hot, hot. This podcast is brought to you in part by investattheteam.com. We have created the official merch of generational wealth. You have to shift your mindset from employee to you can't fire me, Bob. Boss. Always remember, no sacrifice, no reward. Hood Estates. Exclusive collection available at investattheteam.com. Now back to the world's greatest podcast. Are we on the air, Tweet, dope. What it sounds like to be the best. This is a Black Wealth Podcast. Yes. Build wealth, invest, own, and close the wealth gap. It's time to break down these financial concepts with your host, Mr. Todd Millionaire himself, Charles Oglesby, and Raphael Husband. Episode Nipsey Hustle. That's we just going with. It's close enough to 60. We're just going to call it episode Nipsey Hustle in honor of Nipsey Hustle's birthday. He would have been 35 today. Um, it's so funny. Like It's like that Drake line. It's like, I didn't cry when uh, Pac died, but I probably would when Hove does. Like For me, I never really cried when any rappers passed away, but I feel like Nipsey Hustle's brand was so much bigger than just music. It was more so about shifting the culture and pushing ownership and pushing wealth and pushing power and pushing control and changing the narrative and making communities safe. I just feel like music is his commercial that allowed him to be famous and be relevant and have a voice, but his impact was set to become so much bigger than just music. And so I feel like in that, on one hand, we lost a legend, but I feel like we have to live up to what he wanted for us. If if we don't, then he lost his life in vain. And so I want to encourage everybody to not forget about who he was, what he stood for. Um, there's so much value in just listening to the words in his rhymes from the beginning of time all the way up to his latest album. Like there's so much value, so much motivation, so much inspiration. You can literally study what he's talking about and apply it to your life. Don't just kind of say, okay, RIP, Nipsey Hustle. Like, no, like what was he living for um, and, and and implement it into your life and in your community? Because that is how we can honor his life is by living how he would have wanted us to live. And while he didn't get to manifest it fully, there's so many of us that are able to manifest those things. And I just want us to continue pushing on his whole his whole model. So the marathon continues. Episode 58. Raphael, what's going on? How's the East Coast treating you? The East Coast is very boring, actually. A lot of things are still closed. I mean, restaurants are opening up, you know, the outdoor seating. But, you know, other than that, a couple of malls opening up. Uh, Newport Center, for one in Jersey City. I mentioned that because I believe they're owned by Simon Group, Simon Property Group. Lit. SPG. If you know, you know. And I was in California. It's hot. It is so hot, man. It's like, man, it's like even in downtown LA, it's hot. And it's not normally hot in downtown LA. Like right now, it's 95 degrees in downtown LA. Normally, like we're in the 70s because of the tall buildings that black out the heat. It is hot. But granted, it's August. It's the middle of August. It's literally when it's supposed to be the hottest. Um, right. The cool thing is my birthday is in five days. So it's lit. If you are in downtown LA, actually, I'm not opening this up to everybody. 
but the goal is to take all my friends out uh, to dinner on my birthday because that's what bosses do, man. I tell people like when I live well, everybody lives well. I'm not one of those people who lives well and it's like, oh, you got to get yours in word. So I'm not just taking them to Chili's. I'm taking them to okay. Fleming's. I'm picking up the tab. Ty Capital is picking up the tab. Oh, so I, I know for sure it's going to be at least my four immediate friends. Um, and then Sierra will probably be there. Pete Millie will be there. Um, a few other people will show up. But that's that's what we should be striving to get wealth for. It's like, don't just get wealth to be selfish with it. It's like, whose other life can you improve? What things can you expose them to? And that's always been my motto. I've been that way since the very beginning. Um, and I feel like that's been why I've been able to attain what I have. It's because I'm a giver first and I'm a liver after that. So it's lit, man. California is hot. But my birthday, I'll be 34, 34, seeking to retire at 35. So we'll see how that plays out. Uh, you know what they say? Well, unconventional wisdom says retire first and then get rich. Yeah, exactly. You know so, what? Yeah. I mean, I've seen you talk about it before. Can you talk about that real quick before we get started? Because started? that sounds confusing to most people to retire yourself first and then, get, then you can get rich. Well, the reason is most people don't even know what retirement looks like. Most people have been taught that retirement is an age, first and foremost. So they're like, oh, retirement is 62. That's when Social Security is going to take care of me. And most people have also been taught that like retirement is this huge lofty number, this lump sum that I have to have a million dollars saved to have retirement. Well, in the financial freedom space, we call retirement when your passive income exceeds your living expenses. And so if your living expenses are $3,000 a month, you can retire if you have $3,000 worth of passive income. So it's a lot easier to create $3,000 worth of passive income than it is to create a million dollars. And I feel like that's why we've been kind of tricked and bamboozled because what happens is then you just end up working and being a slave for your entire life, making somebody else rich. And if you flip it on his head and you start aiming at passive income, and so I always pray that over my son, like I want him to have passive income that at least that exceeds his living expenses. I don't want my son to have to worry about where money's coming from. I want him to know money's there and he gets to chase his dreams. Um, and so that's just the strategy. But also, like Chris always says, like a lot of the, the biggest money making opportunities are between the hours of nine to five and Monday and Friday. The problem is a lot of us are just sitting around. Um, I've had friends who say the same thing. Like we've, we mentioned on this show, but John Johnson or Jeremy Johnson, he mentioned that like he knew that if he quit his job, he could eventually make more money in real estate, but he would actually make less money in the most immediate time because he wouldn't have that paycheck anymore. But he did it because of the upside. So I had that question. I was like, man, like, I feel like that's where I am. Like, what do you suggest? He said, take off two weeks of work and see how it works out for you. Just do it temporarily. I did it. And that's why we're here now because I took that time off. And so my strategy is to remove myself from needing to work for money so then I can work for myself. And so retirement, I mean, granted, I might take six months off and literally do nothing. But after that, it's back to the grind. So I would like to off, live when I want to, eat when I want to, take a, a summer vacation, and then just get back to it. So we never stop. We just build businesses. But you get there through passive income. And so that's where we're buying the assets we're buying. That's where we're buying more vending machines. That's why we're buying more homes. That's why we're looking to do some flips. That's why we're looking to do all these different things. It's a, anything that doesn't look like working for other men is what we're aiming at. Shout out to uh, Jeremy Johnson. He was on episode 35. You don't advance by asker shit. You advance by ownership. Okay, so 
Charles, you had a tweet that said, this is a good one. We got to do more. We got to be different. We got to take risks. So I always tell people that my information, while white people can get value from it, a lot of my information is for the we's. And so we have to take a different approach. We like to read the Dave Rams of this world. We like to um, apply like this, this conventional wisdom of, oh, just get a good job or, oh, just get inclusion, oh, get diversity, get all these different things. And uh, that doesn't work. It doesn't work. The advice of like, oh, if you want to make a lot of money, just get a tech job. It doesn't work. Um, I feel like we have to do things different. And so, for example, even just with investing, I was I, I, like, I have my money that I had in the savings account. And, and honestly, it wasn't even my savings account money. It was like some money that I had accumulating in a checking account, but I need to uh, put the savings account money there as well. And the money that I put in there, it gained like 10 grand in like a month. But somebody had told me like, oh, you, you shouldn't be taking risk with your savings. You should be, your, your savings should be your savings. And I was like, that sounds great for like people who have the ability to not really be in, in a sense of urgency. But our culture is in a sense of urgency. Like we need wealth and we need wealth fast. So I don't think we have the luxury of playing the game how other people play it. Other people might have a situation where they have these jobs that are paying them $200,000 and they can just like, hey, I'm just an employee. I'm just a great employee. But a lot of us aren't. And so business ownership is how we get there. And that's why I preach business ownership, because I know a lot of us aren't going to get those jobs. And so somebody will be smart and they'll say, oh, well, no, just study STEM, just study this, blah, blah, blah. You'll get it. And like, that's cool for them, but we got to do different. And so really, it was just applying everything that I talk about and say like, no, like we got to move different. We got to do different. We got to be, be willing to take a risk. We, we just got to, we got to, we got to, we got to do, we have to engage in a plan that is applicable to our circumstances not applicable to the general general American circumstances because we've been doing that and we've been losing. And so one of my, my things is like, we keep doing the same stuff over and over and getting the same results and then complaining about the circumstances where we should be just changing what we're doing. So if you change what you do, you get a different result. But if you keep doing the same thing, then all you can do is blame somebody else. Like, oh, it's, it's their fault that we are getting wealth. Like, no, y'all ain't doing the group economics thing. No, y'all ain't starting businesses. Y'all ain't investing in real estate. Y'all aren't sacrificing and delaying gratification. You guys are living your best lives and acting as if everybody's great because they're doing it and you got to move different. Right, right, right. That's why uh, we got to invest in the hood, man. Even though they... They were making fun of the hood, calling it a war zone and stuff like that. We need to go back in the hood and invest in the hood because that's what we need to do. Yeah. You said, okay, you said our grandparents and parents didn't buy the wrong stocks. They didn't make the wrong picks. They lost because they didn't have enough wealth to even put in the market. So it's funny because I think this relates to the last thing that I was saying. Give me one second. Let me put this on pause. Hello. I get the uh, the guy that did it originally, but I got another guy that's done some work for us, and he's done pretty good. He's uh, trying to see if, because um, I, I, I don't know if Home Depot closes at eight or nine, so he's trying to see what time they close to get a toilet. So he's gonna call. He's calling me right back. Okay. Update you. All right. So that he's, works. He's called. He's called me back um, the, after he finds out. Actually, I should have just Google it. Damn, I forget about that. <laughs> forget about that. Okay. All right, I'm just waiting for him to call me back. Got it. So apparently, it turned into a toilet issue. Now, whatever. It is whatever. So anyway, um, 
What was that question again? Real quick, so people listen, if you want to leave this in the, in the podcast. So this is a continuation of an issue at one of the homes in Detroit. And who was on the phone, Charles? Is that like a handyman or? No, it, well, I guess you could say that. It's actually somebody that I found. He's a, he's a, I don't really know what to call him. He, he did some cleaning work for us. I found him because he's a home cleaner. But as we've done work with him, he's like, oh, I could do this too. I can do that too. So he did the rehab on one of our homes. It was all right. Um, and so he's kind of just kind of hung around to kind of be like a quasi property manager for us. So every agent we had, we kind of just rented to him. And then he has his contacts and he likes doing it because he gets to middleman everything. He's like, I'll just middleman it. He's like, I'll call them whatever they charge. I'll put a hundred bucks on it. And so he'll make his money by being the middleman. Um, uh, I mean, it's kind of just like sometimes you don't want to do stuff like that, but it makes things a little bit easier to just pay somebody. So sometimes I just pay him because I call one person as opposed to many people. The thing that happened is I kind of took my eye off of property management and now I have a whole bunch of property management issues um, where I've had one tenant leave and I had another tenant leave. And so we're having to kind of readjust our systems. And so one of the adjustments that we're having to make is we can't just allow tenants to just send over requests through text. You got to log it into our property management software. So you log on, they have a computer. They, I know they have, they have a computer because one of our tenants made us do some crazy stuff so that she could use her computer. So they have a computer. And then what happens is then I have ability to check it out. And then Sheridan has the ability to check it out and whatnot. And so, um, things got lost. And so things got brought up and I, I assume they were getting taken care of. They didn't get taken care of. And so now I'm having to step back in and be the boss, unfortunately, because this issue should have been taken care of. So I normally I wouldn't be getting these phone calls, but I'm getting these phone calls because it's gotten to the point where I have to do the work. I have to. And that's why I'm taking the calls as they come in, because now the tenants like I'm trying to leave. I'm trying to leave. And so it's like, OK, well, now I got it. It's, it's come to my level of having to deal with this situation. Yeah, so that's dealing with a broken toilet. However, they broke it. And we're not talking about a clogged toilet. We're talking about literally a broken toilet. Yeah. Anyway, tenants are like kids, but I'm listening to you. <laughs> the original tweet that we were t- about to, you were about to talk about was our grandparents and parents didn't buy the wrong stocks. Did they make the wrong picks? They lost because they didn't have enough wealth to even put in the market. Right. So I, I included that because, well, on one hand, I, I, I kind of still agree with that statement, but I feel like maybe they were just kind of making ends meet. And so... On one hand, I'm saying like, yeah, don't worry so much about picking the right stock. Just worry about getting in the stock market because I feel like so many people are like, I have to get the right stock. And I think that's the wrong way to approach it. I think that we just need to focus on being investors first. We need to, at, at first, the problem was not even having the capital to invest. Everybody was taking vacations and buying Jordans. Now they can't do it. And so now they want to be these ultra sophisticated investors. And so there's a book called The Random Walk Down Wall Street. And it talks about just buying index funds. Because the thing about compounding wealth is that if you earn 10% per year over 10 years, you double your money. And it's actually probably less if you do the rule of 72. So if I were to take like, it'd probably be like seven years, actually. So you double your money in seven years. And so it's not just 10%, it's 10% per year. So let's say you invest $100,000, you make 10,000 that first year, another 10,000 that second year, another 10,000 the third year, and now your 100,000 is turned into 130,000. And so I just, I say it because I feel like we overcomplicate things. 
in an effort to justify doing nothing. And so we'll say like, oh man, I would invest in real estate, but I can't find the, the right house, the best house. I would buy stocks, but I can't find the right stocks. And I'm just saying, do something, buy something, invest in something, and it'll work out for you. Got you. Now you had a tweet, a more recent tweet that you said, I'm sure most of our parents did their best, but they also lied to you. <laughs> Man, that's a funny tweet. But I was talking about how people feel like you have to make your kids struggle in order for them to kind of become decent human beings. And I think that is bullshit. I think that parents who either didn't have the means or who were selfish with their means make their kids struggle. And so a lot of parents, like, I mean, honestly, I was, I put another tweet and I was like, man, this like, this fatherhood stuff is actually kind of easy if it's like a kid that you care about and love. But a lot of people are having kids that they, they, it was an accident. And so like anything's a burden if you didn't plan for it, but it's like, if you plan for it, you get married, you settle down and then you have a child, it's a different situation. And so you don't feel like you're losing. You feel like you're gaining by giving. And a lot of people, they feel like if like, for example, like my dad, you have, you have children with a woman. And I feel like sometimes men do this. You have children with a woman and then she leaves you and you kind of want to show her that she needs you but you do it in a way by making the child fail. And so people will they'll like the, to, to spite the woman, they'll just kind of pull back and they'll say, well, you said you didn't need me. So I'm going to show you. And then the, you're like gambling with the child's life. You're literally gambling with a human life to prove a point. And unfortunately where we are as a culture, I've just seen it. I've, I've seen how it can happen. And so it's frustrating to me because I just want us, I don't, I don't, I don't, I feel like if we do things the right way, we won't cross that bridge. Um, and that's, that's just kind of where I am on that. Um, What's to say, get you a businessman, not a rapper. <laughs> it's, it's funny because I don't, I don't know why it's like this, but like a lot of like, like I'm married, but like a lot of chicks from like college or like maybe mostly college or who I've met are like always on my post now, liking it and following what I'm doing and all this stuff. And it's just funny because, I mean, I've never struggled in the women category, but like there were certain women who, despite who you were, they were still kind of like, nah, I'm this. And those women are coming around and like liking my post and everything. 425 for a fucking toilet. I hate this guy. I just, I'm just like, I got to get it done. And I know it could be done for cheaper, but they have to get out. Like, honestly, it's like an emergency situation. So that's why I'm having to pay this much money but they'll clean it up. But like, that's how what he does. It's not 425. What's going to happen is it's probably $100 for the, for the toilet. It's probably $100 for the labor. And then he probably wants to take 200 bucks, but I'm willing to pay that to get this situation resolved. And I, I just don't even want to like, it's when you start doing stuff long distance, you got to be on stuff immediately. If you let it drag out, it becomes a bigger issue. And so that's our fault because all we had to do was fix one issue and it would have been over. So very frustrating, but it is what it is. As, as long as we get the issue, I rather my, my, the thing is the reason why I did it is because the tennis on her last straw. And so it makes sense for us to spend a little bit of extra money to make money in the long term. because if we don't fix this issue today, we're going to look neglectful. And so that's why I was so adamant about it has to be done today. So I'm paying a premium to make sure that it's done today. Because if it drags off tomorrow, there's an excuse. The next day, and it's an excuse. Next day, and it's an excuse. And before you look up, a whole week's passed. 
So yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you're talking anyway, about women coming back. We're talking post, about like women from college coming circling back around. Well, get you a businessman, not a rapper. All right, I can hear you now. Oh, we were talking about how um, women from college are coming back around, circling back around. Yes, yes, and it's it's just funny because a lot of people can't see the vision. And so they'll see people like in getting their jobs and working their jobs. And they're like, I've just never been like the I love job person. And so you look crazy for a long, long time. And then when you don't look crazy, you look like a genius. And what I found is it's just funny because now all these women are like flocking. I'm not, I don't even, I don't, yeah, we're not about that life. But it's just funny because I think that women, what I take from that is women need to be trying to get, and quite honestly, I wanted to use athlete in that tweet as opposed to like rapper, because like I even see chicks chasing athletes now. It's like, it's just, it's ignorant. It's like they're chasing that immediate fast money. They're chasing that rap money. They're chasing that athlete money. And they don't realize like it's fleeting. You would be better off if you got with somebody and built versus if you got with somebody who had something handed to him, not knowing that in five, 10 years, he's going to be washed up. What you going to do with a washed up rapper? What you going to do with a washed up athlete? What do they do? You know what happens? They get divorced, man. The statistics show that they get divorced. At, like I think it's like stats show that like a large percentage of professional athletes get divorced after they leave the league. They go broke and they get divorced. And so I'm telling women, like, if you want somebody with real money, you need to get a business owner. But just know it's not going to look glamorous in year one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. But once you hit Bezos level, then it's, 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 it's nothing. And I feel like we got to shift our focus because the focus, it tends to be that. And so then a lot of dudes end up aspiring to be athletes and entertainers to get the women. And so we have a bunch of dudes who could otherwise be productive citizens who are just like, nah, I need the girls. And so it's like, that's why we have a, a, a culture that looks so ignorant. You have girls chasing dudes who are doing something that's fleeting. They have babies with that person. It doesn't work out. And then it's like that meme, like there's this meme of the girl who's like dating the thug. And like, there's a nerd who's like, wants to be her friend. And she's like, nah, I'm dating the nerd. And then years later, he's the CEO. And now she's like this pregnant chick with like two babies looking all fat and whack. And she's like, hey, and he's like, beat it, chick. And <laughs> it like, it takes time to become the CEO, but it's worth it. And I mean, think about it. How many Jay-Z's are there in the world? And how many people are there that aren't Jay-Z? There's a lot more not Jay-Z's than there are Jay-Z's. Right. You got these two tweets. Yeah, these two tweets. Um, one was building a business in the beginning looks like a lot of L's. And you got another one about in business, there are going to be people around you laughing, buying whips, taking trips, keep stacking those business bricks. So, honestly, I forgot what the first tweet was that quick. Building a business in the beginning looks like a lot of L's. But, so, I feel like the thing is, is just because it looks like an L doesn't mean that it's an L. And so for me, I had this revelation because I've, I'm starting a new business and I've just been having to give a bunch. And so I'm giving everybody duffel bags. I've been sending it. I like Paris and Sierra came to the office. I gave them both duffel bags, even though I think Paris already had a duffel bag. I gave her another duffel bag. Um, who else did I give a duffel bag to? A lot of people. And the reason why I do it is because the world is so big. You need people that have your stuff in their hand that are taking pictures with your stuff that are promoting your stuff because that's how you build a business. But the thing is, is I'm giving it away. So I'm not making any money or 
the fact that I, I've allowed people to be an affiliate for a product that's pretty low cost. And so let's say I pay $20 per bag and then I sell the bag for 40 bucks. And then I'm having people can be an affiliate for it. And so now they're getting 20, they're getting their 50%. And so they're getting 20 bucks. And so I pay, two, I pay 20 for the product. I paid the affiliate 20 and now I got to pay 10 to ship it. That means in order to sell that bag, I actually took like a $30 loss, but that is what happens when you build a business. I'm investing. It's an investment. And so it looks like an L, but it's really an investment. I am sowing seeds. I am getting a brand footprint. And so I'm constantly thinking of other ways to get this out there. I was thinking about that today. I was like, you know, the reason why what I have exists is I listened to Eric Thomas. Eric Thomas said, you have to discover your gift. You have to refine your gift and you have to give your gift away. And so many people don't want to give their gift away because that's what I did. I did the investment club and I gave my gift away. I did real estate. I gave my gift away. I do podcasts. I give my gift away. I did blogging. I gave my gift away. I did Instagram. I give my gift away. And then giving your gift, you, you build your footprint. Eric Thomas did it. And I was like, if Eric Thomas did it, that's how I'm going to do it. And so that's how I approach any business. Every business, just because you have a brand in one space, doesn't mean that that transfers over to the new venture. And so with the new venture, I got to give stuff away. I got to I gotta create that, that exposure, that footprint, such that now people are telling their friends and their family about what I'm doing. And that's what you want. You want the friends and the family of the people that you know. You don't necessarily want the people that you know. And you can't get that until you give it away. So my friends come out here, they're coming to my dinner, and I'm giving them bags. They're going to have views, duffel bags. And when I get more stuff, I'm giving that stuff away because it's the long game. I'm expecting, I'm not expecting the views brand to even mature for three years. I just, that's where I am business wisdom wise is I know it's a three-year game. And so in a three-year game, it's going to be a lot of giving, a lot of investing, a lot of, of, of just me looking like I'm taking L's to get that foundation built for the business. A lot of people fail in business, not because it's not a good business, but because they have the wrong expectations. They're expecting it to win in the beginning. And I think Provider Life is one of the people who did this well. Like what they did is they took their, their, their shirts and they gave a bunch away to influencers. And so that's the way that you do it as well. You give it, you're not charging influencers because now you have people with the following wearing your shirts, promoting your shirts, but then it gives you more eyeballs. That's how you build a business. That's how, I mean, I'm pretty sure Damon John wasn't charging LO Cool J to wear FUBU. I'm pretty sure he gave him that stuff. And he said, wear it, man. And so that's why he was able to get more people wearing his stuff. And so that's just, it's like business 101 is you have to give value. And one of the things that kind of is frustrating is a lot of people want to start where I ended up. So they're just like, okay, I'm going to just, I'm going to just sell a course or, okay, I'm going to just come up with this. I'm like, bro, this has been a three year, four year process. And I didn't do it strictly for the sake of making money. I did it because I saw a gap that needed to be filled. So don't just do it chasing money. Do it to fill a gap. Like, what's your purpose? What's your why? What's your actual end goal that's bigger than yourself? Because if you're not aiming for something bigger than yourself, it's going to be tough to reach the masses. Stacking those business bricks. Yeah. So, I mean, the business bricks, I think, are the things that I was talking about, which was the podcast, the blog, the the wearing your own clothing, putting your stuff on your iPhones, um, all that stuff. Like the bricks are the things that don't look glamorous. And so the thing about it is I, I kind of even brought that up is because it pertains to like the three little pigs. And so the three little pigs, you have these people and they, it's like, I think it's a, it's like a, the moral to the story is you gotta, you gotta build what's long-term and lasting. And so for example, you have the pig who, 
who built his house with hay, the pig who built his house with sticks. And they were finished early. And there's a lot of people out here and they got their jobs and they are out here playing and they're dancing and they're singing and they're taking trips and they're going on vacay buying Louis. And then you got somebody out here who's building like something substantial, something lasting. And when the COVID wolf comes and blows their house down, now they're running over to your business and they want to like take shelter in your business. They're like, bro, like I got to be in the business because COVID huffed and puffed and blew my job down. <laughs> and honestly, there we have been getting a lot of like I get I get to work with a lot of people who are more qualified than I should get, but some of them are kind of overextending themselves, and so I'm about to have that conversation with them. But that's the beauty. Like I was sitting there talking to Paris, and I was like, I, I didn't even know Paris was 32. I didn't know she was my age, and she's contributing her talents and her gifts to my brick house because I built the bricks long term and I wasn't partying and I wasn't playing. And I told people I'm not partying. I'm not playing. I'm building this brick house. And so people don't really get that. Like they would see me say stuff and like, man, Charles lighten up, man, Charles, it's all fun and games. And that's what the kid, the pigs who had the, the house of hay and the house of sticks were saying. And that's why I look at the, I, I've always kind of toned in. Cause even when I was going into law school, like I'm stacking my bricks. People out there playing, I'm just stacking. It was frustrating. I'm in the library studying until midnight. They out here taking trips. I'm in the library taking finals. They out here taking trips. But now I'm in such a position that we can just do whatever we want to do for a long time. And the goal is to continue to stack these even more bricks. But I just, I love that book. My mom is very big on that book. We read it to my niece and nephew. I need to get a copy for my son because it just speaks to like the long game, the big vision. A lot of people, even when they're trading and they're investing, they want to take the short game and they want to build that house of sticks and twigs instead of learning it and taking the courses and watching the YouTube videos and reading the books because those are the bricks. The easy stuff is to just follow somebody else's call outs, to follow all that other stuff and throw a party. But the person who's studying is going to be the person who's, who's going to be here long term, who's winning long term, who when their portfolio gets blown down, they can say, hey, bro, let me show you how to really do this, not just how to act like you're doing it. Visit GetLacedLaces.com. Do your sneakers look just like everyone else's? Could your sneakers use an upgrade? Be sure to slide on down to get lacedlaces.com and grab some premium laces these laces will make your sneakers stand out guaranteed that's www.getlacedlaces.com premium shoes need premium laces go get yours now you can also connect on social media at principal p dmc and you mentioned uh investing some a lot of these crowdfunds that you put your money in that you invest in apartments or real estate development your money is locked up for like five years or longer, man. Like the one with uh, Julian Gordon right now, I think he's saying like, your money's gonna be locked up for seven to 10 years in this. You might get some dividends in the meantime, maybe twice a year, maybe four times a year. But your money's locked up for a, long, for a while and don't expect to get it back for a minute because mm-hmm. this is an investment. And I think that was one of the biggest problems that affected Jay Morrison and the Tulsa Real Estate Fund. People still wondering where their money is. Where's the 8% preferred return on $500? As if that's gonna like make a change in your life. You should have put that five hundred dollars and forgot about it. Like I put my five hundred dollars into Chris Senegal's project so I could see what's going on behind the scenes. And to say I'm part owner. That means I could pull up one day and say, Yeah, I own part of this. Yep, yep. And that's worth five hundred bucks. Plus I got a little dividend sooner or later. Yeah, it's a different feeling when you show up to the black house. You're like, I helped make this happen. Like this dope black edifice, I helped make it happen. I think that's dope. Um, It's funny because 
The thing is, I think Jay might not have spelled it out, but it is spelled up out. Like there's like a lockup period. I think he might have only gave it like a year, which might not be that much time. But it's just interesting because if you understand business, you probably wouldn't be criticizing Tulsa. But people who are criticizing Tulsa really just put a big sign on their head and they say, I don't know shit. I shouldn't have been right. I should not have been allowed in this opportunity. That's what they should put a sign on their head that says, unfortunately, um, the goal was to grow and scale it. And that's what happened. Um, and people learn. I think that Julian Gordon, he learned from that. Investor, he learned from that. Chris Senegal, they learned from that. We learned from that. Like anything that I do, I'm taking that into consideration. Like you have to, you, and you can't, and that's one of the, the downsides of being first is you don't really get a chance to kind of like work out all the kinks and then you also get blamed for a lot. But me, me, I feel like I have a very informed opinion. I have a very educated opinion. And I also have a very pro-us opinion. It's so funny. Like, all of us aren't pro-us in the same way. But I find that if you aren't pro-us in the way that's commonly pro-us, people tend to kind of make it seem like you're not pro-us. And so what I mean by that is, like, there's people out there who will slander Tulsa and say all these bad things about Tulsa and in the same vein be like, oh, well, I love black folks and we should be protesting. But I'm like, well, how do you, like, love black folks and slander a black company like that doesn't make any sense to me like and not help them like for me my black my black pro black is i'm gonna help you i'm gonna help you win i'm not gonna make fun of you for doing it wrong or making a mistake or try to call you names and bring you down like that's just my motto like even the bitcoin people like i was trying to help them i wasn't like i don't know so that's just my take man speaking of learning you said i talk shit about the job but this man showed me how to market and build. And it's funny because jobs have their place. Um, granted, I feel like in a lot of ways, you can also obtain certain lessons from like studying, reading books, listening to podcasts, going to conferences, getting mentors. But the firm that I work in, the guy is a marketing animal and he has commercials. He has billboards. He has, man, radio ads. He's on ESPN radio. He's in newspapers. He has his logo on everything. He created masks and the masks have the firm name on it. I don't wear those because I'm not wearing another man's name on my face. Pause. But um, I've just, I learned so much from that and I've implemented that into my business. And I feel like that's very important because most people, when they work jobs, they study employees. I never studied the employee. I always said to the boss, I don't really even care what the, bo- the employees are doing. I had a tweet and I was like, one of the first things you can do to stop being an employee is stop going to lunch with your coworkers. I'm like, if I'm going to lunch with you guys, I can't be taking care of the things that I need to get taken care of. There's certain errands I got to run. Sometimes I'll come to this office at lunchtime. Um, I have to go mail orders. I have to make phone calls. And I found out that like me going to lunch with you guys is actually not allowing me to progress towards my future because I'm just doing employee ass shit with you guys. And so employees go to lunch, they shoot the shit and they go back and be boss and they go back in and be employees. I take my lunch and I'm productive with my lunch to help me get away from being an employee. And that's why I'm probably the most well-off person in that law firm. Um, because I just, I don't really subscribe to what they're doing. I subscribe to what I'm building. Right, right. So, let's attack this a little bit. You said, spend a little, but put more away. Man, I feel like that might have been a rat bar, 
but I it resonated with me because that's what I do. Every time I get like a gumroad check, I, tip, not not so much gumroad checks, but let's just hypothetically say a gumroad check. Let's say I get a gumroad check and that gumroad check is $50,000. I'm going to spend $1,000 because I got to get it out of my system. So I'll buy some Yeezys. I'll buy, I don't know, some suits. I think I, I, might, I, think I have some suits there. I ordered some suits last week. So I'll buy like some suits, um, that kind of stuff. Like I'll spend $1,000, but I'm going to invest the rest. Options community money, since I'm kind of gearing up to buy this, this portfolio, I don't really spend too much of that money anymore. But I always tell my wife, it's like, you see me spending, but it pales in comparison to what I'm investing. Like if I spend $1,000 a week, it seems like a lot because most people make about $1,000 a week. But like in the grand scheme of things, it's really not that much money, but it does look kind of crazy. <laughs> like it does look crazy to just have all these shoes coming to the thing and like all these watches. She noticed I got a second watch. I didn't tell her about the second watch, but she's like, oh, you just got two watches, blah, blah, blah. I, I was like, when I saw how she reacted when I bought the first one, I was like, I didn't want to tell her about the second one because she was like, you spent how much on a watch? It's always like, uh, I'm going to get another one, but I'm not going to tell her. But I do a lot of things for her as well. Like, I, I mean, of course, pay the housing expense. That's all taken care of. And then, I mean, we, we bought her car last year, but I've been making each payment. Like, I just make $1,000 a payment per month. And so, like, her car note's like four, but I just pay 1000 So, it's kind of get it out of there really quick. And so, she's happy about that. So, I feel like if I take care of her... She's not mad if I'm doing things for me. Right, 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 right. That's what I say. The rich get richer because after a while, you run out of stuff to buy. Facts, man. Quite honestly, the, the funny thing about it is you know what I bought for myself this week when I got my Gumroad check? I just sent $1,000 to my student loan company. That's all I did. I, didn't, I haven't bought anything. And I really have run out of stuff to buy. Like, I mean, my birthday is coming up and so I might get a, a backpack. But like in the grand scheme of things, like you run out of stuff to buy. There's only so many watches you can have. There's only so many cars you can drive. There's so many, so many homes you can live in. And so after a while, you've established everything. And you start accumulating more and more. And so that's just one of the revelations that I found. Like I've ran out of Yeezys to buy. I literally can't buy any more Yeezys. I've ran out of watches to buy. I'm not going to buy any more watches. I've ran out of, I don't know, cars to buy. I'm not going to buy any more cars. Ran out of homes. I've ran out of all the stuff that I could buy. And so now it's just like, okay, now let's acquire some assets. But the thing is, is if you buy, I was thinking about this. I was like, you know, I'm going to buy four homes. But really all I did was just take this money and put it somewhere else. On my personal balance sheet, it still exists. So if you were to, if I were to go to a bank looking for financing, I could say, you know what, this is what's in my bank account, but this is the properties that I own. You have like a property schedule. And so these are the properties that I own. And so it looks like I spent the money, but really I didn't spend the money. And so like now those properties appreciate in value. Now those properties pay me rental income. So it's like, because I had an excess of cash to put somewhere else, I'm actually going to get wealthier. And that's the crazy part about it is like, the wealthy get wealthy on accident. Like I'll have money that I had in savings that made $10,000 this month. I have money in stocks that made like, let me see, made like 11,000 last week or like 24 last month. And so it's like, if you just have so much money that you, you can't spend any more stuff and you just start investing it, then it's like, you just get wealthy on accident just because you were in the right position and you didn't take it and buy a bunch of boats and stuff. So you can still go broke, but all we did was take our money and buy investments with it. Gotcha. You said also, my son won't have all the flies gear, but he will have assets. That's the top five tweets of all times. And this is all facts. 
Um, because I just feel like it kind of speaks to what we were talking about earlier when we were talking about like not having enough wealth. A lot of it isn't because we didn't have the money. It's because we didn't have the mindset of doing other things with our money besides spending it. And it's so frustrating because I know a lot of people who they don't have that finance education. And so they literally don't know these things. They literally couldn't even fathom doing anything else with their money, but spending it. And so I always kind of talk to people about that and, 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 and kind of bring it up is if you don't know that there's other things to do with your money besides spend it, you're just going to spend it all. I think you're making progress because your son is the flyest, the most popular, all that stuff. And I was like, I, I don't have that aspiration for my son. He's going to be well-dressed. He's going to be presentable. He's going to be in Ralph in his khakis with his Rolex watching his BMW, but he will have assets. He will have vending machines. He will have rental properties. I was telling somebody today, I was like, you know, my mentality on investing is way different. I'm looking 15 years out now. I'm like, what can we do? So we buy this property. We get a tenant to pay it off in 15 years. We get the cash flow. Or we don't get the cash flow. But in 15 years, my son will have a paid off property. That's my mindset now. And so I just feel like it's, it's a good place for people to kind of aspire to is to give your kids wealth, not junk. Because so many of us were given junk, all the toys, all the video games that we literally don't even have anymore all the clothes, the Tommy Hill figure that looked cool in the moment, then it got faded. And it's like, are they any better for it? No, I just, I want, and I feel like my son will be better off if I can remove struggle from his life, as opposed to letting him struggle while he looks good. And a lot of us choose to look good rather than be good. And assets help you be good. On the other hand, you also said, get the things you want. It will push you to do more. Man, so it's so funny because so I bought I bought a new car on Thursday mm-hmm. and and that Friday I was in here recording content. I was in here working. Today I'm in here working. And a lot of times people think that like getting the things that we want will slow us down or make us lazy and complacent. But really, I feel like it pushes you. But I think a lot of us we feel like, oh, I can't get the things that I want until or I shouldn't get the things that I want because I'm supposed to be frugal and all these other things. But I feel like anytime that you get what you want, it kind of makes you level up, especially if it's something that's like next level. So for me, it was so funny. It's like I was riding around in my car last night and I was like, I can't be listening to rap music. I need to put on some jazz. So I played on some jazz and I was coming home and I was like, wife, what do you want to eat? She was like, uh, I'll just take some Del Taco. I was like, lady, we don't, we don't go to Del Taco in the ES. Like in the ES, <laughs> we go to Cheesecake Factory. Okay. So what do you want from Cheesecake Factory? And so it makes you elevate yourself and of course, elevate your next level aspirations because now I'm like, I never want to drive a brand new car again. I want to, I never want to not drive a brand new car again. So if that looks like leasing, it looks like leasing, but I'm, I don't want, I like, I just like this feeling too much to go back to just driving a car and seeing it as a means, means of transportation. I think a car is so much more than that. And I mean, it's definitely more than that in Los Angeles because there's so much wealth in vehicles in Los Angeles. I saw a Ferrari 488 as I was, as I was driving on a scooter. And so I would just say that when you get with like, get like, and don't do it. I, I feel like you don't want to do it if you have to leverage credit and max out everything to get it. And that's the craziest part about like my life right now is everything that I've bought, I've bought in cash. So yeah, I have a bunch of Yeezys. I bought them all in cash. I have uh, a bunch of watches. I bought them all in cash. I have a bunch of Louis Vuitton. I bought it all in cash. My car, I bought it in cash. And it's just crazy because now my credit score won't go up. But if I had debt, I'd be able, my credit score would be on fleek 
And so my credit score went up four points this morning. That's great. But it's, it's frustrating because it's like, I'm afraid of debt and I'm afraid of getting trapped behind debt. And I'm afraid of forgetting to make the payments and then being late. And so that's kind of why I avoid debt. But it's just, it's, 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 a, it's a mental thing. And quite honestly, it came from reading the 50 Cent book. 50 Cent, he was like, people judge you by your watch and your car. And it shouldn't be like that, but it is like that. And sometimes when you read books, it just becomes a part of you, man. Like everything that I read becomes a part of me. And it sometimes boggles my mind to think of me creating all these things. And it's just a function of my mind. All the homes we own, we own them because I put together a plan in my mind and made it happen. The clubs, the communities, I put this together in my mind and I made it happen. The podcast made it happen. They're all a part of what I manifested from my thought process. And so it's just amazing to see it all And then it's also motivating to see what we can create. And that's why I feel like I have a duty to continue to read and learn and absorb. So then it's like, what comes from that? What can we create from that? That next idea that I get from reading a book or reading whatever source of information. Uh, So, yeah, man. I mean, sometimes being just by that that expensive item, that quality item, it just levels up your thinking, man. Just the feeling it gives you is like, man, I can't do, uh, you said I can't do the tacos no more in the corner. Just can't do that no more. I'm not that person (laughs) anymore. You don't do those tacos in the yes. That's funny. Not in the big side. I was like, I can't, I can't be getting no fast food putting it in here. I was like, if you want, if you want in and out, we can go quality fast food. But I don't know about Del Taco. No, no Del Tacos in the car, man. Not in, not in the new Lex. Nope. Speaking of reading, you said reading is work because the more you know, the more you earn. So I didn't want to go too in, into too much detail on the last message because I knew you were going to bring this tweet up, but. I would just say that there's a reason why Warren Buffett reads for four hours a day. People will hear that Warren Buffett reads for four hours a day and they'll think that that's what he's doing before he starts working and not realizing that that is working to him. Working to him is getting the information that's going to help him make better decisions. The more, and like even Nipsey said, he's like, the smarter I, the smarter I become, the richer I become. And it's so true. And that's why like, I'm like, honestly, before I got that phone call to go check out those vending machines, I was about to sit down and read Poweronomics. When I go home tonight, I'm going to sit down and read Poweronomics and read other books because the more that I read, the more that I earn, the more that I read, the more wise I become, which means I can implement more things. And so reading is work because if I know a lot, I can earn a lot. But if I don't know a lot, I'm going to earn less. And interestingly enough, a lot of this it kind of is only really relevant in business because in business you can learn and you can implement, but on the job, a lot of times, no matter what you know, you're still only really allowed to implement their system and what they're comfortable with. Cause I used to read a lot and I would, I would bring it to my job and they're like, ah, yeah, but that's how we do it here. <laughs> but like in, in business, I mean, we did the same thing. We had, um, I was reading businessman first and he was talking about a creed and he kept talking about a creed. He kept talking about a creed. And I was like, hmm, let me get a let me get a Thai Capital Options Creed or I need a Thai Capital Creed. And it's like you need things that people abide by to set standards for your business. But I wouldn't have got that if I hadn't read that book and saw that principle applied to business. And so everything that you read is going to give you some gems. I'm reading the Chris Hogan book and it's giving me gems. And I just I've always been a reader, but now I need to become an intentional reader, not just for not just for education, but for elevation. That's a businessman first, right? Yes. Yeah. I'm gonna order that. Twenty bucks. That's that's. I, I bought it for way cheaper. Wait a minute. You say you got the audio book, right? No, no, I no, got, no. I, I didn't know there was an audio. I got um. I got uh. 
Chris Hogan on the audiobook. Right. right. Businessman first, I got that on just regular book. So this is Charles has updated how to how to build a six figure business, six figure digital business. If you don't have it, make sure you get that course. How to and build the last, six- the last chapter is fire, man. It's flames. I outdid myself. It's a whole hour and a half. It's an hour and five minutes um, of just me talking about how I apply all the principles that I taught people in the first three lessons to my business. And so I pull up everything. I'm showing you how I do Instagram posts. I'm showing you how I market and, and use different different uh, Instagram social media marketing, um, what, what posts I found that perform the best. So don't sleep on that last chapter. Um, you had a tweet that said, if you need it, it ain't wealth. Oh, <laughs> right. So that should be pretty obvious. Wealth is about abundance. You got to have more than you need or else it ain't wealth. That's what wealth is about. And it don't matter how much money you make, if you need it, don't be bragging. If you got like car payments out the, the A, you got mortgage payments out the A, and you got credit card payments out the A, that six-figure income don't mean nothing. It's all going to the bank or your creditors. You know, so you need it. It ain't well. And that, the thing is, too, I see a lot of people, I want to say a lot of people, but maybe like in the church, like people are saying, why why you need all that money? You know, you keep pushing for more and more and more. Why you need more? You should be satisfied with what you with what you got. And then people say that silly stuff like, uh, what they say? I just want to be comfortable or I just want enough. I just want what I need, like enough to cover my, my expenses. You're always going to be right on the edge if you try to do that man if you try to get just enough there's one one something's gonna happen where you get knocked off you lose your job or you get sick or something and it's a wrap and you set back for six six to eight months so get more than you need get that wealth everybody everybody needs that and if you get that wealth it doesn't hurt anybody else just that simple i i agree with that statement because when it comes to investing it's tough to have the patience to wait on an investment to come to fruition if it's money that you need. So it's like Chris talks about it all the time. He's like that having money that you don't need is a superpower. It's like, it's a key to wealth. So if you, and I think that's, that's one of the reasons why I continue to work the job is because it allows me to do what I do with the gumroad money. Like if I quit the job, then the gumroad money becomes the money that I'm living out of. And that becomes very difficult to build with. Um, and so for example, it's like I had these, these stocks and my stocks ran up to like 400 and then they went down. No, was it 400? It might've been 400. It was bad. My stocks went up to like close to 400 and then went down to like 304. And I was like, damn, but granted 300 is still a very strong number. Like uh, 300. I'm like, I can't complain about 300. So it's like, I had the ability to wait. And now as I look at it, it's at 347. And so I was able over the, the last month to kind of go from 304 to 347, which is about $40,000. And so I couldn't have done that if I needed the money. If I was like, nah, bro, I needed that 400. Like I, I can't, I can't wait for it to come back to me. And so I've just, I found a lot of success in having pots of money that you don't need because it allows you to truly wait for that investment to come to fruition. We all celebrate where Tesla is now. Oh, Tesla's at 1600. We don't realize Tesla was at 400 about a month ago. Mm. So imagine if you invested money that you needed, you would have pulled it out at 400. Like, no, bro, I I can't. And you would have lost so much money on the upside. So I think that he's 100% right. Like wealth is having more than you need, which allows you to then get those huge returns by being patient 
as opposed to rushing the process. And so there's people who invested in Tulsa who shouldn't have been investing in Tulsa. If you're investing with money that you need, that's not an investment. I don't know what the fuck to call that. What do you call it? What do you call that, Raphael? The um, opposite, like, I don't know what you call that, man. That's I wouldn't even call that gambling. That's just mental. That's mental illness. That's what you call that. And Julian Gordon and it's Ju- we keep saying Julian Gordon, but it's Julian Gordon and Anthony Kimball. His name is. I never heard of him before, so I, I didn't. I, I, well, which is strange because he follows the podcast on Instagram. I just realized that. Um, anyway, Julian Gordon on the on his new investment fund, he says clearly in there: Do not invest. Your last money. Do not invest money that you need, please. He says that. One thing I like about Julian, Julian is just a dope individual. Shout out to Julian. Have we got him on this show? I know we got him on our own personal show. We might have to get him on this show. He's a dope dude. He was a part of the conference and everything. Just, I love people who have that mindset. Like Mm -hmm. you see people who have like the mindset. It's different than everybody else. And you see, you see it in Julian, you see it in Jeremy, him and Jeremy have a lot in common to me because they're, they, right. they say like, Jeremy straight will up. say like, yeah, they give it to you straight. No chase it like harsh, man. Right. And so, um, they, people have learned from Tulsa and I don't think Tulsa did anything wrong. I, I just feel like people's expectations are unrealistic. And what really frustrates me is how tone or not tone talks, but, uh, Tony, the closer turned, a personal beef into picking at other stuff. And I feel like that's something that people see a lot is if they don't, like if they're mad at you about something else, then they start talking. Like he, I don't even think he invested in Tulsa, but now he's the champion for Tulsa. People getting their money back. You ain't even a Tulsa investor. Like what qualifies you to even come up here protesting? It's not, it's just a ploy to, to come at somebody. Why should we allow stuff like that to happen in our community? Why should we let, you want to know my favorite, my favorite, thing of the the uh dr umar johnson random account is he says why do you need white people paperwork it's like why do we need white people paperwork just to, to build our community why do we need them to approve what we do to build up our community and there's a lot of people out here who are most so smart they're like did you see the sec document fuck the sec the sec right. is ran by the same people who probably voted for people who are against your interest and you're over here banking on them to solve the problems in your community like, it's frustrating because people are so smart but so dumb at the same time. They'll be saying a lot of smart, dumb stuff. You yeah, said if your money is in order, your life isn't in order. Getting in order. Yeah, I mean, and I was kind of, I was trying to, like, kind of be funny because it, it's like, I figure people will look at that and say, man, like, duh, like, that's, like, some basic shit. If your money is in order, if your life is in order, your money is in order, then get it in order. Like, simple. Like, if shit isn't right, fix it. I feel like sometimes, I mean, I can't. It's happened to me too, man. Like, you know, stuff isn't right and it's hitting you from all directions and you, you just kind of like sit in it and just let it get worse and worse. And you don't ha- you don't have the best solutions. And then it's like, but uh, things aren't in order. You got to get it in order. I mean, it's your life. Nobody else is going to fix it for you. So even if it's hard, you still got to do it. So do it. Yep. And I had... One time I was like, I mean, I was super broke. Things were going bad. A lot of stuff was going bad. And somebody had to tell me, like, listen, you gotta, you gotta do something, man. You got, like, granted, you actually do have problems. It's not like you just bitching and moaning about stuff that isn't real. You do have real problems. But the thing is, you are capable of fixing it. Like, I know you, you, you got it in you that you can fix it. So fix it. Get to it. Whatever it takes, just do it, man. Stop, stop complaining. I was like, all right. Mm. Couldn't argue with that one. But that's funny about the Tony, the closing thing. 
what 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 make us uh, see about that too is like he's dogging on him so much now but you were raised to do business with this man like this guy is such a bad guy but you were ready to do business with him so all of a sudden now he's no good something bad between you two but we don't even really know what really happened but because he did something you didn't like or he supposedly screwed you over whatever it is now all of a sudden he's a bad guy he wasn't a bad guy until he screwed you over the crazy part about it is like from what I saw, it seemed like the reason why Jay pulled out of it was that uh, apparently, like, they didn't know his history. They didn't know he had, like, domestic violence in his past. And apparently, I mean, this is what wives can do sometimes is wives are like, I'm not doing business with him. I don't support that. Like, if, if you ever watch Breakfast Club, like, Angela Yee is a very feminist individual. Women issues, she does not compromise and so Jay Morrison, in a lot of ways, pulled out of it for his wife's sake. And sometimes you got to just go with what your wife, not sometimes, you got to go with what your wife is saying. And so what's frustrating to me is in the black community, you could do everything right and still be seen as the bad guy because we're surrounded by so many people who don't do right. And so we're over here applauding somebody who's publicly bashing somebody spending ads to tarnish a black man's name and his family and his legacy. And we're applauding it. And we'll, if, if it was like a white person doing that, it'd be a problem. And my thing is, is like, we don't have the same standard. It's like a double standard. If a white person does it, it's a problem. If a black person does it, that's just what we do to each other. Mm. And I feel like that's ignorant, but also it kind of speaks to the, to the, to how dope of a person that Jay is. The reason why I like Jay Morrison isn't just because he does real estate, it's because of the code that he lives up to. Jay Morrison isn't somebody running around with looking like a thug, sagging his pants, wearing Jordans. He actually makes an effort to like do what I do. So putting on the suit, wearing the nice shoes, being a family man, taking care of his kids, getting his credit right. Like all that stuff is dope to me. And I feel like that's what we should aspire towards is not just getting money, but also like improving our social status. And a lot of people don't tend to do that. And you see it, get a wealth Twitter. It's people who have money and also have things that I don't necessarily agree with, but I can't really say because there are people that follow us that kind of subscribe to that. But like, I just don't live my life that way. I wear boat shoes and I get a fresh cut every week. I wear polo shirts and my son will do the same. And so it's like for me to see somebody who doesn't really care about their appearance and just expect people to just kind of accept them as is, we don't vibe together. It's dope for them, but we just don't vibe. And so Jay is that person. Jay is the person who he didn't publicly slander Tony. He just backed out of the deal. And I feel like that was what it was admiral to me. He didn't say, oh, he was a woman beater. And so that's why we can't do business. He was like, nah, man, we, just don't, we just don't do stuff like that. He kept it classy. He kept it dignified. Tony came at him over and over and over again. He never said anything. He just kept it dignified. And so the thing is, there's something mentally wrong with Tony. Yeah, he's successful, but I feel like we got to start qualifying people who are successful because just because you're successful doesn't mean that you have a say. Just because you're successful doesn't mean that we should just be marching in line behind you because there's a lot of successful dumbass motherfuckers. And I am noticing that. Like, just because you are successful, just because you do real estate doesn't mean that you're my people. And I've said it before. Like, cool, stay over there with those other people. That's great. Do you. 
this over here is for civilized people. This is for black wealth who actually carries himself in a, in a wealthy manner. That's what we do. I'm going home to cut my hair. And so that's just my stance. I commend Jay for how he did what he was supposed to do. And dealing with the slander, it's, it's, it's hard because it's like, I get it. Any of us who actually aspires to do more is going to get met with it. It's happened. Dr. Boyce Watkins gets it. Umar Johnson gets it. Dame Dash gets it. Um, Tyler Perry gets it. Diddy has gotten it. P. Diddy. Uh, Dame, uh, everybody, we all get it. If you aspire to do more and actually elevate the culture, you're going to get dragged down by people who like to beat up people and film with them and put it on World Star. And that's just what it is. Sad, sad, sad. Um, he had a tweet. I'm not. I don't know if you remember what this tweet was about. I don't fully remember myself, but throw this one down. You said, "I know it was, there was a picture involved. This isn't what power looks like." I know it was a connection with a picture of something or politicians. Yeah, it was. Uh, apparently, there was like this this post that like Diddy and I think T.I. were like signing a petition saying that right. uh, Joe Biden has to pick a woman for vice president. And I was oh, like, black woman. I, yeah. Black woman for vice president. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I don't, I mean, granted they ended up getting like Kamala Harris, but I don't, I don't feel like that actually is what we should be aspiring towards. Like I'm not even, I don't even really like deal with Kamala Harris because I thought she, I used to think she was dope until she married a white dude. And when she married a white dude, everything she did is, is questionable to me. I just, I don't understand. I'm Umar Johnson with it. Like, I don't understand how somebody can be pro-black and marry outside of their race. And then come for me, who married a black woman on purpose, when I could have been out here, you know, dating Latinas and marrying Latinas or marrying Asian chicks or marrying a white chick. Like, no, I was like, I'm marrying a black woman on purpose. I did it on purpose. Um, and so I just don't think that appealing to other people is power. Like Dame Dash. Dame Dash was talking about how, like, we don't necessarily have, like, they don't teach us how to get elected. They don't teach us how to actually run for office. We just basically kind of get, like, some bullshit via worker stuff, and then people resort to sports and entertainment. And so that's why Dame is dope, is he looks at the actual problem and solves it instead of just looking at the problem and pointing at it. And I feel like that's what it was. It's like they're pointing at the problem. They're pointing at a potential solution. And I just don't feel like signing a petition is powerful. I don't feel like protesting is powerful. I don't feel like any of that stuff is empowering. People look at you and they're like, ah, cute, nice, little paperwork. No, wealthy people, successful people, they get what they want. They make it happen. They don't ask. <laughs> Your boss isn't asking you to do something. He's saying you do this or else. Right. That's power. And that's what I want us to ascribe to is where we're in a position where they do what we ask or some problems. And that's what Dr. Boyce is saying. It's just like we, like they take us for granted. The Democratic Party just thinks that we're just like their little lap dogs. And if you don't vote for them, then you ain't black. Like, I just, I don't, I don't agree with that. And I also don't agree with democratic policies in general, because I've seen how they destroyed the black community. But for me, I just feel like we got to start doing more than begging, because that's what a protest is. A protest is a, a large bag. A petition is a large bag. And begging is not empowering, man. Like, do you think begging is empowering, Raphael? Do you think that writing a petition is empowering, protesting is empowering? I don't. I mean, protesting, eh, not so much. Petition, a petition is definitely not power. Because the problem is, it's, I don't even know. I always used to wonder what the hell is a petition. Like, you got a bunch of people to sign a piece of paper or whatever. It's like, okay, and? Like, this is a, we want you to do what we, what we want. And look, I got all these people to sign Okay, so what's that mean? What does that mean anything? What you gonna do with that piece of paper? Nothing. Yeah, California. 
California, they recently lowered the bar passage rate to 1390. It used to be 1440. And so they sent out this letter and they're like, hey, we're, we're sending around a petition to get the Supreme Court to retroactively apply the cut to the people who took the bar in February. A bunch of people signed it. A bunch of people signed it. And you know what the Supreme Court said? No. You want to know uh, why? Because we gave them an option. Powerful people don't give you the option to say no. Either you do what we say or it's some problems. And yeah. it doesn't have to be like, oh, we're going to like riot and fuck shit up. It could, it, I don't know what it could be. It could be we're going to build our own economy, which we should be doing in the first place. Right. It could be we're going to have all these athletes that you're making billions off of aren't going to play. It could be we're just going to build. I don't know. I can't think of what it looks like, but it's probably going to require some thought. But it, it should never be like an option for them to say no. That's just my stance. All right. It's not power, man. That's, uh, Dr. Claude Anderson has, he has a, a phrase for it, too. I forgot exactly how he put it. You say that power... power is the ability to get things done despite resistance. There you go. There you go. Ability to get things done. And despite resistance. That means that means they could tell you no and you still gonna get it done. That's power. Anything less than that is not power. Right, 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 right. That means you call up the mayor and you say, listen, if you do what I want, oh you don't get contributions next time. Yes. That's power. It means that's you tell power. somebody either you do what I want or you don't have a job no more. That's power. And how do you control do that stuff? How do you tell somebody that if you don't have a business, if you don't have businesses, right? If you don't have ownership. You don't own shit. That's power, and that's why I tell people, business ownership and wealth is more than the power to buy things. It is power in and of itself. So we don't get money for the sake of buying things. We get wealth for the sake of buying power. That's why the Jews get wealth. They don't get wealth to buy expensive stuff. They get wealth so they can't be pushed around. They get wealth so they can hire the best attorneys. They get wealth so they can get the politicians in the office office that they want. They get wealth so they can hire their own, so they can make sure that they can develop what they got to develop in their community. That's wealth. It's the power to get things done despite people telling you no, despite people saying we're not cutting the bar code, bar pass rate. Despite people telling them we're not putting a black person in office. Oh, okay. We got this going instead. That's power. Aim for power, not peasantry, whatever the F we're doing, man. Aim for power, not peasantry. I like that. I'm going to tweet that right It's so funny. I was thinking about this today because somebody, he was like, I put out a post and I was like, my son will work, but he'll do boss work. And right. when I said that, I was like, it's funny because like, so how do I put this? Somebody was like, oh, well, he's destined for failure. And I blocked him because I was like, anything that even looks like a negative comment about my son is getting blocked. Um, it, yeah, because, I saw it. It, yeah, it got, and so, um, but it's it, what's unfortunate is if I block somebody, people can still see the comment. And so people mm. see a lot of crazy stuff. People see say to me and I don't even see it. I have a muted or blocked. And so I can't see it, but they can see it. Um, and so yeah, I saw that. I saw that. But you know, what's funny is it kind of speaks to what I was talking about earlier about the whole struggle and people thinking their kids have to struggle. I was like a slave master isn't going to make his son go be a slave in order to appreciate being a slave master. No, mm. his strategy is to teach him how to be the best slave master. 
And so that's why you have these wealthy elite families and they still send their kids to college, but they're sending them college to learn management, to learn how to run a business, not how to work in a business. And so my strategy is that's what my son's going to school for. He'll go to school. He'll get his MBA from a top school to learn management, how to manage workers, not to be a worker. And so I also put a tweet out and I was like, so many people think that like, how you raise your kids is up for debate. And there's people who haven't seen what I've seen, haven't learned what I've learned, haven't been exposed to what I've been exposed to, but yet and still they feel like their opinion carries weight. And it doesn't carry weight. I don't give an F what they say because I have a different vision for my son. And my son is not to be out there being somebody's W-2 worker, not to be somebody's whatever. I was thinking, I was like, as I was emptying out those vending machines, I was like, when we when he does turn 16, he can do this stuff. He can be out here like getting this stuff or I mean even more boss level stuff is he can be out here just managing the workers and becoming a great manager my son we're going to have an empire such that he won't need to work a job that's not what I'm setting up for I'm setting up multiple assets multiple things that can be passed on to him and then he'll manage the helm or he'll manage the managers of that helm but he won't be out here sweeping up floors and doing bullshit. That's what we're supposed to do as fathers. Now, switching gears a little bit, you said, I've been down. I deserve this shit. That was a Nipsey Hustle line, but it is so true. Like, it's so funny because I used to work in a restaurant on weekends and it wasn't fun. I fucking hated it. And like, I was there as a very educated person and I've done a lot of stuff as an educated person. Like when I first got out of college, the job market was really tough. And so I used to work weekends delivering jumpers, but I always did shit. And that's the thing is I'm not the kind of person that's going to sit around waiting for an opportunity to fall on my lap. I'll be doing something while I'm waiting for an opportunity. I'll be working a job that might seem as though it's beneath me while I'm waiting an opportunity, while I'm building that business, while I'm hustling outside of that, while I'm working another job. And that's why I win because I'm willing to be here on a Saturday at five o'clock when the sun is out and I should be on a beach somewhere. I'm working. (laughs) And so I've stayed down. I've been humble. I've slept on couches. I've done everything to get what I want because I've always made steps towards getting what I want. And that's the thing. I've never been content with what I have. I've always made steps. And so they always say no sacrifice, no reward. So when I was doing those things, I knew I was just sacrificing to get the reward. I knew I was just being uncomfortable to get to the next level. Like you can go out there and you can be comfortable and I've been comfortable and I've gotten fucked. When I get comfortable, I get lazy, I get content, I get complacent. And so I always kind of strive to not let myself be too comfortable. I don't want to be feeling too plush because that's when I get, that's when I lose. That's when I get messed up. That's when I stop being hungry and aggressive and ambitious. And so I have been down. I've done a lot of stuff. I've been broke before. I've struggled before. I've been in really bad situations. But one thing is I always kept pressing towards what I wanted. And that's why we deserve what we've gotten. And we're going to continue to continue to push towards it. It's like, it's unfortunate, but most people aren't willing to start a business from scratch. Most people aren't willing to start a podcast from scratch, but they don't realize, like I told you, like we're getting traction now. But like what I see is 
the more you put out, the more traction you get. I know you don't start from zero and end at month year three. A lot of people are expecting to start at year three. I don't. I expect the grind. I love the grind. I embrace the grind. I embrace the process of building the business because I know the payoff is coming. I forgot that you, it's been a minute since I heard you talk about that. I forgot you used to deliver jumpers. And for the people listening, by jumpers, he means bouncy houses. Because when I first right. saw you say that, I was like, that, you talking about jumpers. I did whatever I had to do, man. I I I've, I did whatever I had to do to get ahead. Yeah, I got to start doing some other shit on the side again. Man, you need to continue to build. We need to figure out ways to monetize this. Right, right. Massively. And you said, and you said if you don't charge, you can't improve. So where did I get this idea from? Oh, so I'm doing this affiliate thing now where I've added the affiliate to my Gumroad. And in order to add a product to Gumroad, you have to have some sort of deliverable. And so what I created was a PDF and the PDF kind of says, hey, thank you for joining the, uh, the, the, the affiliate team. Um, here's some tips to be a successful affiliate. And so I like outline a few tips. And then I also outline like certain do's and don'ts. Like you, you can do this. You can be creative. You can use other streams of platforms. You can, you can kind of own it like it is your own business, but you can't promote and not identify yourself as an affiliate. And so in doing that, I killed two birds with one stone because affiliates get a lot of criticism because there's people who know like the FTC rules. And so they're like, you didn't advertise correctly, Mr. Newbie affiliate. And so I was like, hey, let's make sure you guys identify yourself as an affiliate so people know. And so I kind of like, I'm able to tell them that, but then I'm also able to tell them some good tips and tricks to actually do these things. And so I, I didn't really have that thought until I started charging people. But then I started thinking of all these other things that I've done that since I charged, I was able to bring in paid admins and bring in people to do certain things for us. And I mean, even like the real estate investment club, like that shouldn't be free. Like everything that I touch should be paid in some fashion. And people don't expect you to get paid. I think one of the biggest things about Tulsa that they criticize is like, oh man, they're, they're getting paid off of the fund. It's like, so you expected them to just manage your money for free? Like you have a job, you go to work, you expect them to just like not work and get, and not get paid and just get paid out of the ROI. Like that's silly. And so, um, I just, I found that, that they want us to do the free stuff for some reason. People want you to do free and give away your value because that's just expected of the Negro. And I feel like that's what keeps us poor. That's what keeps us getting taken advantage of. And you need to be able to know your worth so that you can actually earn your worth. And then when you earn your worth, then you can actually double down, provide value, help people in your community. But you aren't going to get there being a peasant and a slave. You're not going to get there being a worker. You're not going to get there unless you boss up and charge the market instead of just giving your, your value away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now that note is wrap it up. So people be sure to look out for brand new course, REIT Money. For those who don't know what REITs are, R-E-I-T, Real Estate Investment Trust. If you don't know, buy the course, find out. Learn how to invest in REITs, the Todd Capital way. It's available now. It is it's live, right? It's not just, is it released yet? No, it's a pre-order. Oh, pre-order. Oh, so, my bad. So pre-order the REIT money from Todd Capital right now. Go to ToddCapital.co or look for it in the show notes of the podcast, either one. Now, also, more more product coming from the Views Lifestyle brand, the garment bag, and also the money bag backpack in crimson, yellow, and what, what do you call it now? Blue? Slate blue? Yeah, something like that. 
Something like that. I forget what, what the color is. Three colors available now. Uh, is that also a pre-order? Yeah, I, they're on the way from the distributor, the manufacturer. Right. So it's just a pre-order right now. Right, 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 right. So get that reap money. Get your bags from Views. The du- the duffel bag is ready to go. Is ready to ship. You got to get that, carry that money that you get. How to build a six-figure digital business has been updated recently. Get that also. If you haven't gotten it yet, uh, capital.co. Also, what else you got new coming out? Crisis Money course is out. Right, is already launched. Also, be sure to f- subscribe to the podcast. We are on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor. They're all over the place. Subscribe to the show and leave us a review. Preferably five stars, but leave us a review. Man. Bump us up in these standards. Tell your friends. Subscribe, review, five stars, share it, share it, share it everywhere. Tag us, hashtag tweet talk. Um, follow us on social media. Go follow me on Twitter at work money life. Follow Charles on Twitter at Todd Billion. Follow Charles on Instagram also at Todd Billion. Also at Todd.Capital and at Blessed Black Man. Be sure to follow the luggage brand at Views Lifestyle underscore. Be sure to follow the podcast on Instagram at Tweet Talk Podcast. Uh, pre-order the, the new ebook, ebook coming out, Don't Be a Little B, at gunroad.com slash tweet talk. And that's about it, man. I'd like to leave you guys with one last thought. What would Nipsey do? So Charles and Raphael, Tweet Talk, episode 5-8. We are out. Peace. Peace. If you've reached the end of the show, Thanks so much for listening. We value your time. And that's why we want to give you the best sounding, best produced quality of content we possibly can. And this podcast you've been listening to has been edited and produced by yours truly. I'm Donald The Voice. I'm a 10 year voiceover artist, narrator and production specialist that wants to see only the best life giving, equipping and long lasting content be produced to help others. So if you have commercial video editing or other production needs, I love to talk with you. That's right. Visit DonaldTheVoice.com and hit the contact page to talk about how we can work together to bring your content to life. Okay, so you're not an email person. Well, you can also contact me on Instagram at DonaldTheVoice or on Facebook.com forward slash Donald.TheVoice. I'm looking forward to talking to you.